It's Thursday morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Kafaru Cast. I'm uh, we're dealing with a blizzard here in Colorado, and I have got my good friend Randy Kitts on from Black Eagle Arrows. And I don't. Uh, it's probably not snowing in Georgia, is it? Oh no, it's going to be balmy at about sixty-five today. The bad news is, last night during yesterday during lunch, me and the boys were out catching the football. We got a daggum hole in our football, so I think we'll buy another one before lunch comes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, first world problems. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. What do you do at lunch? You go outside and throw the football around. Yeah, no, no kidding. Well, you you've been a busy man lately. Yeah, yeah, we just got back from the Netherlands with the Kings of Archery uh, JVD tournament. We launched our new arrow, the Revelation, there, and that was cool. And then, geez, I'm back till Monday, and then I leave for Israel for 10 days. And, yeah, it's going to be busy right up until Christmas. we got lots of travel planned and lots of places to go. But looking forward to Israel coming up, that's for sure. And we had a great time at the JVD and the new arrow was super well-receptive. And we had uh, some good finishes from our stabilizers. And uh, some of our shooters got into the shoot off, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is that is cool. And uh, one thing I have to say, totally off subject of arrows, uh, considering I am somewhat of a heathen and a bit of the antichrist, one of the coolest <laughs> things about you, I have to say, and I've told many people this, is you are a, a very spiritual man. And you've never given me crap about the way I am. You've never, never bugged me about anything. That says a lot about it because you, you do get a lot of, I hate to say there's some spiritual people that are not like that and not welcoming to any type of person where you have always been super cool to me. And I appreciate that, even though I, I probably dropped four letter <laughs> words way too much. Um, yeah. yeah but, I mean, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, uh, you know, Jesus, all he did was hang out with sinners he didn't hang out with the cool with the righteous people he didn't come for the righteous he came for the unrighteous and it doesn't matter where you are in your life um you know when jesus walked the earth he found people that were broke and at the end of the day uh, we're all broke and so we all we're all sinners and need a savior well, you're on the podcast with one right now, so you're doing your job. <laughs> hey, we all sin, brother. Oh, it's Lord. the one thing we all have in common that no one wants to talk about. Sin. Yeah, no, yeah, no kidding. Oh. And that's uh, that's. Your... Remember this. Let me just remind you that no sin is greater than another. That's from the Bible scrolls. I'm gonna have to get a T-shirt on that one just to uh, make me feel better. Uh, that's what your trip. You're going to the the homeland for vacation, are you? Uh, yeah, we're gonna go there with uh, Perry Stone, um, a pastor from Cleveland, Tennessee. He's taking a a big group there. I think there's a couple hundred of us, and uh, we're just gonna tour all the places that the Jesus walked and look at some great historical places. And uh, and looking so forward to to doing that. I mean, it's been it's been a long time coming. It's kind of like a dream come true, but just saw it and really like Perry Stone. So we're going to go give it a whirl. And if it's one of those things that uh, we really enjoy, then, you know, we'll, we'll go back every year. I'm not sure if the bombing stopped. I think I told you last time we talked, I stopped watching all news, uh, but I understand they were really lighting it up here about a week ago. Uh, my wife told me, but I'm not worried about that either. Um, but yeah, if it's good, we're going to go back. You may have to bring me next time just for safety purposes. But, <laughs> you betcha. Yeah. Uh, well, that's where the, the I'm hey, assuming. After what you've done and what you've been through, it may be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. The uh, that's where that you obviously the, the name of the arrow came from is your you you know you're obviously you're con- you're a as I said a very spiritual man and so that I guess made sense for naming the arrow. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I uh, wanted to put kind of a biblical name behind it, but also something that would apply to mm, I just the reveal or bringing out something new. And, uh, and so we try, we batted around some different verses or different, uh, different names and we landed on revelation and a uh, pretty cool story. So I think, man, I need a verse from the book of revelation to put after this is after the name. And, and so I started you know, going through the Bible and reading the Bible and uh, Revelation 3.20 come when Jesus was talking to the church uh, and said that, uh, you know, at the end of it, he kind of chastised them. And uh, for what they were doing, said you were lukewarm, yada, yada, yada. And uh, so, behold, I stand there and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, he with me, which is really about God's grace. Uh, No matter where you are, no matter how far away you are, he's always at the door. He's always knocking. 
And if you hear and let him in, he will come into you. And so you fast forward. I thought, that's awesome. You fast forward, and I'm in the shower. I'm at Perry Stone's youth conference. Didn't even know we were at a youth conference. My wife and I, I think we were probably two of the oldest people there, but it was cool. And I was in the shower, and, man, something just told me, look at 320. And then so I went, and I'm thinking, man, how does that parlay into Because we always call this arrow the 125. That's the ID of the arrow. And went on, got out of the shower, got cleaned up, went to my computer, you know, three, I put 3.2 millimeter to inches, inches, it's like one, two, five, nine, eight, six. I thought we'll call it one, two, five. And it's just meant to be that way. Oh, cool. Cool. No, that makes total, <laughs> total sense. I, uh, uh, I, and I, I had, uh, I mean, initially it's just a cool name. Um, I did see, you know, there's always, of course, people online that, don't like something you can never make anyone happy but i uh i thought it was a pretty pretty freaking cool name enough to make me look into the bible and see where you got that from so i i, I broke her open to see uh the, that verse <laughs> which is very unique for me um i actually had to google Jesus it was talking about the church at laodicea and he was whooping them for being lukewarm and said you're neither hot nor cold and i vomit you out of my mouth and you don't do this and i am rich and have wealth and you're in need of nothing and, and he so he's just He's pounding them. But then at the end, he offers redemption, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and and, and again, I mean, for what you're looking for, for the name of the arrow, pretty cool. It made sense. It yeah, worked. It's a revelation. Yeah, it's a reveal for us. I mean, we've been working on this arrow for, oh, man, I would say every bit of three to four years. We have taken it apart, redid it, taken it apart, redid it taken it apart, redid it. We've, we've gone over this arrow so many times uh, just to try to make the most accurate arrow we could because the X-Impact is an absolute shooter. I mean, Jimmy Lutz won the world championship, won Turkey. Chris Perkins set the NFAA outdoor world record with them two years ago. Um, it's super accurate. It's small diameter, 165, but we wanted to go smaller. Uh, and you know, there's arrows out there that are, are very similar in size, but they're made differently. And, uh, and so when we, when we landed on this and we got this to do, what we wanted it to do, we we're super excited. Uh, yeah, I was excited when I, well, I, I was, I was, cause I, I'm a big fan of, of vintages and, uh, you never made fun of me for shooting those, but you've definitely brought up you're going to get more penetration with a with a skinny and uh you know me being me i'm like ah whatever and we we would talk back and forth a few times and i'm like you know i had ran some scenarios by you should i try the deep impacts or the x impacts and you were like man we're coming out with an arrow a few months from now they're they're kind of set up for target but the weight you know, I think you love them. You want to give them a try. And, you know, you sent them out and, and I had to be super secretive. Like it was funny because I'd go to the archery range and, and Amy would be like, hey, are you going to invite anybody? And I'm like, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to have anybody. I'm just going to go, <laughs> um, and, you know, just durability tests and, and trying to do wind drift tests was the big one. And then penetration tests. And I was able to shoot a few animals with them as well. And they you know out of the gate that the one thing they're expensive but what you're getting um is an arrow that's basically unbreakable now i nothing is unbreakable but for the people listening that know how much i shoot i have not broken one yet i've had to replace a couple of the focus uh outserts as i'm firing them into rocks just trying to see if i can break them um that when you look at someone um that whether compound or stick, obviously I'm shooting a stick now, but, but compound, um, like penetration, wind drag, uh, spine consistency. I've never seen anything like these arrows because they are so small, but they have insanely good weight for a hunting situation. That's not what you designed them for that. The drift is cut in half uh, by a lot of other arrows on the market. The other thing that I can't explain, and you probably could, they recover well. And when I say recover, when you shoot a, a compound or, or a traditional bow and you have um, a, a high-speed camera, you can watch the arrow come out of the bow and it's going to have the paradox. It's going to have the flex. Even a tuned arrow, perfectly tuned arrow, is going to have flex coming out of the bow. Some arrows 
recover from that flex quicker than others. And you could say that's from tuning. You could, I mean, you can make a hundred different excuses up for it as far as some flexing more than the others, but some arrows just recover faster and these recover faster than any arrow I've ever seen. I don't understand it. I just like it because short range shots that increases penetration when your arrow is not flexing like crazy. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I think that probably getting some good benefits from, you know, that arrow being constructed of what we would call high mod carbon. Um, you know, the carbon comes in in different um, all different microns, I guess. There's an intermediate carbon. There's a high mod carbon. There's kind of one in between. Then there's ultra high mod carbon. Then there's pitch fiber carbon. And, uh, and so it just creates a faster frequency. Uh, the higher mod carbon dust, I think you're, you're seeing some benefits from there. And then obviously it, you're shooting such a small, thick walled arrow. I think the arrow you were shooting has 45 thousandths of wall thickness uh, on each side. I mean, it is incredible. The same arrow I'm shooting out of my, uh, out of my compound bow uh, with the Focus stainless steel outsert on there. And yeah, they at, the biggest problem I had shooting was keeping them in the stinking target. Yeah. That, that, that was a problem. And, uh, you know, I'm shooting, a, I'm shooting a bow with, with that arrow. I think we're, I'm, I think I'm a 325 or 330. I mean, it's just scooting because I got arms like an albatross yeah. and, uh, and pulling 70 pounds. So that, that thing's moving and, uh, man, they just, yeah, I couldn't really keep them in. And the, the focus was kind of an after idea. I think, man, that would be the most wicked hunting arrow on the planet from a penetration flight accuracy long range short range kind of in the realm it doesn't matter it's going to be incredible so the focus kind of came on afterwards uh after we planned on bringing out that for target because obviously that that's what it's intended for but if it's great for target why wouldn't it be great for hunting and yeah they're expensive uh but if you look at an arrow that's similar uh you know made by a competitor they're anywhere from 75 to $150 more a dozen and they don't have a, uh, an outsert or any, or anything that you can hunt with. So, yeah, I mean, I think you get what you pay for. And, uh, you know, the other thing is you got to shoot a pin bushing. We had some guys ask about lighted knocks. I mean, it, it's just not in the cards today. I'm sure at one <laughs> point in time, we may, we may develop a receiver on the end, but you know, as you know, the further the knock gets away from the arrow, just the more things that can go wrong. Yeah, and I, 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 you know, that's something I never think about because I never use lighted knocks. I'm not against them. They don't tune the same, uh, especially at longer distances. They're expensive. Um, I'm not bashing lighted knocks. I just, people ask me about lighted knocks, and I have zero info other than uh, they're cool when I see them on TV, but I have no ambition to shoot a lighted knock. So the, the pin knocks... They are extremely consistent. There's a lot of positive things about a pin knock. Um, you know, and, and years ago when they first came out, it was kind of like, uh, oh, I don't have any unicorn run by. It was like, what the hell is that? Um, but they're, they're very, very consistent. Um, they're generally easier to tune, uh, from what I've found. The only thing shooting a stick bow with those, you do have to worry. You do have to make sure they snap on. They can unsnap if you're getting a lot of finger pinch shooting a single string bow. Uh, so you do have to worry about that. Now I'm, <clears throat> I screwed around with it and it wasn't a problem. Um, but when, when you're talking about putting, you know, arrows through, through animals in, in whatever distance, with these, because the wind drift is so low and I was able to get, um, four, three inch, um, helical actually on that little guy. They're about touching. Um, but, you know, shooting through a shooting machine, uh, compound or stick bow, uh, some of the, the wind drift, obviously nothing's, you can't control much or nature. So you can't say it's the exact wind every time. But if you compare that to a lot of the other micros on the market, um, you can even notice it at 80 yards, four to six inches less wind drift just from that little, little difference, uh, and what you're losing from some of the other standard skinny shafts on the market, which is pretty amazing. The other thing too is the one I'm shooting, I have loaded up with 300 grains up front out of my stick bow. And the ones I was screwing around with the compound, I have 200 up front. That thing bucks the wind like nothing you've ever seen. It's crazy. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> like throwing a bowling ball. 
Oh yeah, and and again, hunting. You know, I was only able to test them with a compound. I didn't I didn't go hunt with them. I I just hunt with a stick bow. But one of the animals I shot, which you know, probably not. You know, some people would say not. You know, not overly ethical. I, it was a, a frontal shot at a relatively close distance, but I put it. Um, you know, straight through it. It hit the leg bone on the way through. Uh, kept going, but came out the rear ham. And, and that's out of 178 foot per second recurve. Um, wow. Yeah. So I was like, huh, I can't mimic that with another arrow, but holy cow, that's some pretty amazing, you know, penetration. And, and again, that's 300 grains up front, 630 grain arrow. So it's, it's got some wop behind it. Um, what, what kind of feedback did you get from them on the, on the hunting side? I mean, the tournament as well, but did you get what you thought you would or? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, on the hunting side, I mean, I think we heard um, exactly what we uh, thought we would hear from some of the hunting guys is, you know, they're they're expensive um, for hunting arrows. So, well, it's a target arrow that we offer an option if you want the smallest, best, you know, the most penetration, uh, most accurate arrow to hunt with, you have an option. It's It's just there. If you don't, don't click on the button and don't buy the outserts. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, it's an option. On the target side, uh, the feedback was incredible. I mean, I think we've got something, you know, really special. People like the overfit pin bushing. That was designed uh, for arrow concentricity on an arrow. Carbon arrows are made on a sinless grinder. Uh, and so they're not perfectly symmetrical on the ID. But on the OD, uh, they can be super, super tight. Right. So made over pin bushing for arrow concentricity. We've got like a tungsten point that's 120 with two 10 grain break offs to get down to 100. We also have, we have a patent pending on our outsert, and we have a uh, a patent pending on our point system where we take a, a 60 grain steel point, and we have a 20, 40, 60, 80 grain weight collar. Depends on what you want. The 40 and 60 come together, which would be the most popular. And they're super easy to change out. We tell everybody to use like boning cool melt or something like that, or a cool melt, a heavy boning, but a cool melt to get it all set up and figure out your weights and then just glue them up and you are golden. And, you know, Jimmy shot, uh, Jimmy Lutt shot those um, after Turkey last year and uh, did very, very well with them. And he shot the, uh, he shot the weight collars and the points. And that point system was really designed to kind of, buck against tungsten points. I mean, tungsten points are 200. Uh, the weight collars and the point, uh, you're into them for 60 bucks. And yeah. so that for, uh, the 40, a dozen 40, a dozen 60 grain weight collars and a dozen 60 grain points. So you can kind of mix and match to see if you need a hundred or 120, uh, you know, versus 200 bucks. But it's got some great benefits to it. I think we're going to see uh, a big uptick in the field archery uh, for us this year for sure. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of people that are interested, you know, pro archers all over the world now uh, that are very interested now that we have um, this arrow. Yeah, I can only imagine. And, and just to kind of what I um, what I explained is I would say one of the competitors arrows that would be what I would say would kind of marry up side by side or about four hundred and thirty to four hundred and fifty dollars a dozen. For a competition arrow, so it's hard for a hunter to wrap his mind around, which I get. For a hundred, four hundred and thirty dollars. I mean, you can, you know, some of their a car is worth that, right? So I, I get it, but there are hunters out there that may be going on a sheep hunt. You know, they're financially stable. There's nothing saying you can't buy a cheaper arrow, like you said. The biggest benefit, um, and let's compare it to the X Impact because that's what I got the most questions on. Um, you know, there's going to be a little better as far as bucking the wind, but I mean, the number one thing is durability. Um, that, that the revelation is more durable than an X impact. The weight's a little bit different. Obviously they're not side by side, but when you shoot an animal on a high wind day and you don't get the penetration you want because of tail slap or, or bad arrow flight, and let's say you were shooting a $250 a dozen set of arrows, which is a lot of hunters do by the time they're done. I would bet that a few people might, yeah, what's another hundred, right? I mean, once you lose an animal from, from wind drift or whatever you make up in your mind, you lose an animal, you spend more money. Anybody says difference lying. Some people, it's not even the, the gear fault, their fault of the gear, but they'll blame it on that to make them feel better and still spend more money. And that's just human nature. And so 
Will very many hunters buy these arrows? Probably not a ton, but I guarantee the ones that do will see an immediate benefit. And I hate to pimp them out as much as I am. I generally, I just, I was amazed. Usually people tell me on a phone how cool something is and I get it and there's some immediate disappointment. This is one of the very few times where I got a product and I was like, huh, that might be a little bit better than Randy said. Holy shit, that's pretty wild. Um, it just doesn't happen very often, but... Um, the the other thing that um, I think we can talk about now, and I, now again, I, I got one for my wife. I don't need one for my, my stick bow, but you came out with one of the lightest quivers in history of mankind. Um, is that something you actually come out with yet? Cause so, I mean, <laughs> what, what's going on with that? Well, they, they, we'll have them available in 30 days. Uh, we've got the final, final, final. We started sending some out to our top dealers. And uh, it's like a nine ounce quiver. Um, it's, it's got so many, I mean, so many cool features. I think the, the number one thing is the ease of removal. Uh, it's going to be, I mean, you can take this thing off with two fingers. You can carry a bow with it. I mean, it's super tough, super durable. There's not anything like it on the market. And it's all, we've got the patents on, on the hood. We got patents on the clip. Uh, you know, we're going to have like a, you know, the bracket that mounts to a bow. Well, we're going to have a belt. You can be able to buy two belts and two of these brackets. You can take them, put them on your tree. You can put them through your belt loop. Um, you can put your quiver on your side, tie it to your tree stand. I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool quiver. We're going to have it in Cryptech Highlander. I think we've got Real Tree, was it Real Tree Edge? We've got Mossy Oak Breakup. And then, of course, we've got Matt Black. But it's super cool. And it's super light. It fits the bow good. And, uh, like I said, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. I think people are going to love the, uh, the new quiver. We've got a five that's really compact. And then we've got a five plus two where you can put five arrows, get to all of them very easy. And then you can put two spare arrows in the back. If you take like a judo point, uh, possibly it'll fit in there or just two arrows. Uh, if you're going on, on a packet hunt and you want to throw some extra broadheads in your, uh, in your pack somewhere in case you start to run low. I mean, you could take seven arrows. Some, some states you could put a field point in there, but many states you cannot. So I don't recommend that because uh, you don't want the game warden uh, slapping you with the big fine. So don't put a field point in your arrows in the back, but yeah, it's super cool. No, that's good. Yeah. I, I, um, what we just recently ordered Amy, my, my wife, she, so she, she just shot her first, uh, big game animal. She shot a doe and a white tail and, she wasn't sure if she Hi. could do it. And yeah. And then she, of course, she pinwheeled both of them. And then now I just bought her two brand new boats. So she's obviously into it. Um, <laughs> and so I hadn't been putting a quiver on her bow. I've had her using, um, it's called a Safari Tough back quiver. It's a, my, my buddy Randy Cooling owns the, the company. He just recently bought it and it, I use it. Um, for, for tournaments, I'll use it hunting sometimes, but for her, it was perfect because it's just a tube. You can put foam in it, uh, you know, or there's foam in the bottom and, uh, you don't have to have the weight on your bow. And if you're a manly man, it doesn't really matter, even though most guys I know try to take their quiver off when they can. But for, um, you know, well, bow weight, all those advantages, I don't need to talk about. That's one thing. But when you're not a beefy ass dude that, that doesn't mind carrying the weight, it's pretty hard to find a good lightweight quiver and, you know, sub 10 ounces. Uh, I mean, well, she was super excited about it because I, I put on a, a quiver, uh, you know, the standard two piece that, that marries up with the bow she has. And oh, holy cow, that thing's like, I don't know, 24 ounces or something without the arrows in it. And, and that's, yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal for, for her. Um, you know, it's well over a pound. So, I mean, she was excited about it. Um, you know, just for the weight purposes or whatever, but it was pretty cool with her getting the deer. Cause, um, she was basically vegan when I met her. Um, and then she wasn't sure if she could shoot a doe. And then the doe came in and she was going to wait on a buck and she went ahead and shot the doe to make sure she could do it. And, now she's addicted, so she's like wanting to go on a mountain lion hunt and a bear hunt and all kinds. Of <laughs> so, yeah, uh, turned into John J. Rambo. Oh yeah, well she's you know she's married to the right guy, so she'll be able to go on whatever you know quite a few cool yeah, hunts. For sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember the first time I took my wife. Matter of fact, I think it was one of a couple of times. I mean, she ah doesn't want to kill this, doesn't want to kill that. So I took her squirrel hunting. Oh, it was a while ago, and uh, and she saw her first squirrel. Said ah. And next thing you know, it was like, boom, 
Boom, boom, boom, boom, boom. Okay, he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) You absolutely whacked him. I think all five shots. (laughs) She hasn't been hunting since, but once that once the fury started, it was it was pretty incredible. Oh yeah, yeah, same same thing. And we actually, you know, when we were ordering, um, you know, kind of getting because we ordered her two bows. They were uh, the Matthews of Vale. Um, you know, that was just kind of a bunch of different people told us that was the one to take a look at. So we, we got one set for, um, up for hunting and we're going to set up one obviously for tournaments. And so when you know, we were kind of going through, um, you know, all the different options cause she's got, um, she shoot, you know, I've always been a big fan of spot hogs. So she's got a single pin and a multi pin for that. And it's kind of going back down the wormhole of rewinding in my life you know, 25, 30 years, I've kind of went backwards now of the excitement she has of learning, like, you know, I ordered the arrow rests I ordered her and the sights I ordered her and she's learning all of this. And then the difference in arrows, like, um, you know, I got her X impacts for her tournament bow, uh, but I went with a deep impact for her hunting bow and her trying right. to understand why and the speed differences, um, you know, the point weight, you know, so thank God she's an intelligent woman because you start talking about all of the different intricacies of archery. It can, it, you're drinking through a fire hose. You know, I'm talking about her bucking the wind for tournaments and, you know, when she's off on yardage and then I totally shift gears and I'm like, okay, for the hunting arrow, we're going to get you at about 430 grains. I want about 175 up front. And now she's like, well, wait a minute. You just said this when we were talking about tournament bows and I'm like, well, yeah, but it's, it's different now. Same bow, different, different scenario. So, you know, she's, and it's cool for me because I, I, I look at it as, you know, it's, it's like riding a bike, right? I've never, never forgot it. I do it every day, but with her, there's that uh, look of kind of wonderment as she's learning all this, which is cool. Yeah, no, that's super cool. I think the more people we can get into archery and shooting archery, uh, the better off all of us are. And that's, a, that's great to hear. I mean, yeah, tournaments are great. I love golden archery tournaments. I mean, they're some of the, some of the best people in the world at archery tournaments. And, uh, man, it's just a great time to fellowship, hang out, shoot your bow and, uh, and just have a good time. And of course, hunting, man, there's nothing like being in camp. And so that's awesome. And you can do it the one that you love, which is even better. Oh yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm probably not going to take her. Well, not, there's no probably. She's not going to end up hanging off of cliffs with me on sheep and goat hunts. Although she did come on my goat hunt with me this year. Um, <laughs> which was to, this totally off the subject, but you get a kick out of this because you've been uh, married for a while. So the, but you know, I, I ended up hurting my shoulder the night before the hunt, but the earlier that day or the day before we, you know, we were trying to go where we had a two or three mile hike in that her and we, we have a, a, another buddy, um, his, his name's Luke Cadillo, but he's a, he's, he's a cage fighter. He, he owns a gym and he's actually training, um, I don't know how much you pay attention to that, but Justin Gaethje is one of, Jay Gaethje is one of his fighters and they're all funny. They all treat her like gold and Luke wanted to go. Now, Luke has had his face broken so many times. He sounds like Darth Vader coming up the mountain right he's not a silent soldier he's he's loud (laughs) but i was like well look you know honey you can hang out with luke on the valley floor and frank and i will climb up and you guys can watch well we hadn't heard from luke we weren't sure what was going on and so i'm going through the gear list with with amy and i'm like hey look there's a highly likely possibility if frank and i get on top of that mountain who knows what could happen you will be left alone for quite some time Let's go through your gear list. And it spiraled down the crapper from there. Like, like, hey, where's your in-reach? I don't know. Is it hooked up to your phone? I have no idea. So it's her being her, I'm just not going to go. I'm not going to go. And I'm like, no, we've been planning on this since I drew the tag. Your ass is going. Like, don't right. do that, right? So it was all of it worked out. Luke called. We go up to the, the where it's there on the valley floor. Frank and I go up above. We're in the cliffs. And she watched the whole thing. They filmed it. They photographed it. I ended up shooting it at, I don't know, a few feet. I mean, I was 20 feet or something away in the cliffs. I was stu- She got to see the whole thing. She got to see the stock. I was stuck above it for 45 minutes, freezing to death. Finally came out below me. So she watched it all. 
And then I was worried because they climbed up there into this big shale scree boulder field where where the animal finally went down. And I she manned up. She climbed up there. She <laughs> she did good. It was cool to see. So, and I mean that's, that's on a awesome. thirteen thousand foot, you know, twelve eight. I mean we're up pretty high in altitude where it where it happened. So she is seeing things, um, but you know at a much greater depth than most you know hunters that that or huntresses or whatever you want to call them starting out she has skipped all of the beginning and went straight to varsity <laughs> so same with backpacking and everything else yeah no she's leapfrogged quite a bit for sure yeah oh yeah yeah she has what um what's that so that's one of your first hunts with a sheep hunt. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, goat goat hunt um, was uh, the one of the first ones she she went on, and and yeah, it was pretty cool. And I don't know if you got to see any of the footage from that or anything else. It was pretty crazy. Um, you know, just we were lucky enough to catch everything. And I'm actually going to text you a few photos now. Um, uh, just it it ended up to where like you know you've got the the you know got the arrow going through the animal on video and on on photos and just you couldn't have designed it better so for her to see that i'm thinking yeah i'm never going to be able to top that one like that was a one in a million situation um you know for it to happen but anyway uh, enough about that the um uh the one of the things i kind of wanted to you know go over with you is when i introduced on my end of things the the revelation after you guys kicked them off there was guys that just flat out were like hey uh, man i can't afford that um you know what kind of what you know where's my budget limit to getting an arrow so cheap that it's just not going to perform and i you know i mean you and i've talked you know my feelings on it what are your suggestions to guys when they're on a budget um you know, as far as getting an arrow build, I mean, what do you usually tell? Because you're on the phone all day. What do you tell guys? Outlaw, if you're a trad guy and you like the vintage because they look cool and they're all hand-painted, hand-crested, 34 inches long, all those good things, then shoot the vintage. The Outlaw is the best arrow for the money on the planet. It just is. And uh, and so if you look at, you know, if you look at an inexpensive arrow that's on the, that's on the market, you know, by anyone else i mean they're going to be someone when you put the straightness on them i mean so you don't know what you're getting i would say it wouldn't be anything worse than a 12 or 14 thousands but it could be straightness could be um i don't even know if they if they weight sort them uh so you could have some weight deviation and i would doubt at all they spine sort them our outlaws are all those things they're spine sorted they're weight sorted and the straightness of 0. .005 inch or better, or better, people get confused by that all the time. Like, ah, it's an 005. It's really a plus or minus 0. .0025, which is straighter than anyone else's plus or minus 0. .003. And, but you do get, you could get, you know, you got some fives in there. Most of them are, are straighter than that, but we wanted to build the best quality price point arrow on the market and that's absolutely unequivocally the outlaw there's nothing there's nothing better there just isn't in that price realm there's nothing i've hunted with them i mean i on my first time i went on a bobcat mountain lion hunt that's what i took and i won't forget the, the beating that i took uh hey you got all the arrows in the world at your disposal and you're shooting an outlaw work <laughs> <laughs> i mean why would i not i i mean just you know it just it works i mean if you if you do your part and you buy an arrow that has some specs behind it, and it falls into what you're comfortable with. If it says plus or minus 0. .006, that means it, it could be anywhere from a 1 to a 12 straightness. If they're not spine sorted, you may have 90, 80, 70. I don't know what the number could be. It could be a lot more spine deviation, which causes incredible inaccuracy. It's like shooting one arrow that's a... 300 spine and one arrow that's a 400 spine. It's going to fly different. Yeah, you it put is. broadheads is the bit where you, you know, field points, you're not going to notice it much. Broadheads, like I've had guys just tell me they can't get their broadheads to tune and walk them through it. And finally, I'm like, go to your archery range and put those arrows on a spine tester. And that's what it was. They were so 
off from one arrow to another that the the paradox of the arrow is changing greatly when the spine is different it doesn't mimic and that's the key what i tell people it's like look wait i highly doubt 0.0001% of shooters in the world could tell the difference from 20 grains from one arrow to another until you get out to 80 yards. And even then, most can't do it. But you can tell the difference in a spine, uh, spine, spine deviation quickly. That's especially with a broadhead on. And I mean, in, in the, you know, as, as most people, I don't, re- I don't have to pay for much gear. Randy gives me arrows. Everybody gives me everything. And I shoot one of your cheaper arrows, which, You've never given me crap about, but I think you've probably wondered why I shoot a cheaper arrow when you, whatever. And I, they work, right? I, I've shot those vintages forever. I'm kind of a chicken uh, to, to, to change. And the, the vintage is a tra- traditional archery arrow. But again, if the spine consistency is there, the straightness, and you can always cut them off of each end if you, if you really pay attention, you got an arrow saw, but, um, I don't, I mean, I'm not probably doing a whole hell of a lot for your arrow sales here, but man, I, I love those vintages and I, I, I've just had great luck with them, but they're one of your cheaper arrows, aren't they? For, for traditional, I know they are, but. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, you know, yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely is one of our, uh, I think, lesser expensive arrows for sure. And it too is a zero, zero, 005 or better straightness. It's 34 inches. It's super durable. It's heavy. It has all the qualities of the, of a good traditional arrow, wood grain. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I think that it doesn't matter what arrow it is. I think you just got to find um, one that lines up with your specs and your ability. People call all the time and say, man, I, you know, what's different zero, zero, one and zero, zero, three straightness. My question is how far are you shooting? Well, I'm shooting 15 or 20 yards, nothing. <laughs> zero. And a lot of recurve guys, I, you know, when we first bought the vintage out, we had O ones and O three, and I still may have some zero zero ones in stock. I think we may have some six hundreds fine O O ones. No one bought them because in the trap world and, and shooting a traditional, I I wouldn't be able to shoot the difference between a one and a and a an O O five. I just couldn't. You maybe me not a chance. Um, and so this didn't go over well, but we still get people today going, man, I need a zero zero one straightness out of my recurve. You're legit. I mean, if you if you do, you're legit. If you need a zero zero one, right? I mean, it's just and to your point. If you cut a little bit off of both ends or one end, I mean, it's it's probably going to straighten up because most of the most of the arrows that do have deviation, it comes on one end or the other. And if I had to cut off of one, I mean, obviously on the vintage, you don't want to cut. If you buy shafts, you can. But if you bought the crescent ones, then you know you only have one arrow to cut, one end to cut from. But at the end of the day. You know, we measure our aerial straightness over the whole length. We don't measure 20 inches like most companies do. So you get a pretty straight arrow. You do. Do we have arrows sometimes that are meh? Yeah, we may have some that fall through the cracks. But for the most part, I would say we have the most consistent specifications on the market. You do. And that's what I was going to say is um, I quit cutting them off of both ends on the vintages. Um, I certainly didn't cut them off both of the revelations, but on the vintages, because <laughs> maybe out of every well, and you know how much I, I I test, right? Like for durability, especially from all different arrows and all different companies is you break a lot of arrows when you're doing that, especially, you know, there's a spine tester that, you know, we were talking about. It's it's. um I think Easton does it at 28 inches wide and a two pound weight. Well, what I do isn't a spine tester when I'm, when I'm testing durability. Obviously I do the applicable, the shooting, uh, testing for, for durability. But, but I take actually, um, two, uh, separate, you know, I have, I have bricks and they're separated by 28 inches and I put the arrow across those and I start hanging weight or I have actually, um, it's a scale with a, a ratchet. And as I'm cranking on the ratchet, it's pulling down the middle and it shows the more and more weight added and it shows how quick an arrow will break. A little bit of redneck ingenuity there, but it's a good way. F- it, it shows, right? It, it's pretty easy to see. Um, okay, I, ch- I got a spine tester. I tested that, tested durability, all of those different things. And again, if you deal with an arrow that is consistent in spine, you're 85, 90% there. As long as you cut the end straight with your arrow saw and you don't do anything stupid, you're going to be fine. Now, will you be better with a higher performance arrow? 
There's going to be an increase there. There has to be. But, but, you know, just because you're in poverty doesn't mean you can't go hunting. I mean, you can buy a cheaper arrow. And what what's happened over time, you know, with me, especially on the tournament side, is I definitely have increased, you know, the the arrow that I shoot as far as the, the price of it and the performance and everything else. But it's not like you can't go hunting if, if you can only afford an outlaw. I mean, like you said, you own the company and you were shooting them, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, I had to. Yeah, 100%. And I would take the outlaw anywhere in the world and hunt anything. Just, yeah, uh, it's it's a great arrow. But, you know, as you want more performance, as you want smaller, you kind of go up the price continuum. I mean, that's just that's just kind of how it works. Um, or if you want a lightweight, durable arrow, I mean, I mean there's there are certain features in every one of them. We don't just bring arrows out, which makes us, I think, a little bit unique. You know, we this is the first new arrow we've had in, well, I think two or three years, and you know we just don't bring arrows out. We don't relabel things and call it something else um, just to have a new name or something new. Um, and I think our dealers actually like that um, because you know the new shiny thing isn't always new, and it isn't always the best. And you know I tell people all the time what we have works, and we bring a product out to either fill a gap or to make something better. And that's why it took so long for the revelation. And we. We needed a small diameter arrow for target archery. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of it. You know, we think of the the U.S. is that's where we are, but you look at the world market. I mean, it, it, that arrow dominates on the world market. I mean, it dominates. We're talking pallets and pallets and pallets and pallets of those arrows being sold. So, it uh, you know across the world it's huge, which gets us into avenues that we haven't been in before, which is great, and. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it was a need that we had and a void that we had in our lineup. And we may not have another new arrow for, I don't know, until we, we're always working on things, but until we find something better or we fill a niche, um, we may not have a new arrow for a long time because what we have works, it works really, really well. And if you're a guy that has to have the new shiny thing, then you're always going to be bouncing around. But I've gotten myself out of that that methodology of thinking to where I always have to have the new shiny thing. I mean, at one time I had 13 bows hanging up downstairs. I've slowly but really been selling them all <laughs> off because at the end of the day, I mean, you can only shoot one at a time <laughs> and I don't shoot that much because I work so much. So, you know, I just don't have to have it. I've, I've shot the same broadhead, the same arrow combination, uh, same bow for three years. And uh, yeah, so it's just, if you have to have the new shiny thing, then, you know, we may not be the ones because we just don't bring out things and relabel things just to, just to say we have something new. No, you, you don't. And I, you know, it's funny. I just had an article released from, from Eastman's and it was about, it was about gear, but I went through the phases of gear in that article. And the first phase is obviously generally the poverty phase. You're going out in the wilderness and you're just going to use what you can afford. And, but in that, then those different phases I talked about, the one phase is the, uh, I called it the Q phase, like Q on uh, 007, you know, always coming out with new, you got to have the every gadget known to man and your pack weighs 900 pounds because you've got every cool thing known to man. And your final phase is, it is what it is and it's worked for years and this is what I'm bringing, which is the phase that you're <laughs> you're talking about. And, and again, I mean, I test gear constantly every gear known a man from archery stuff to sleeping bag socks you can you, i mean very rarely do i deviate if the world was ending or the zombies are coming or i'm going on the ultimate you know stone sheep hunt the stuff that was in my pack from three years ago is probably going to be the same stuff that's in it today because um very rarely do you do you find that the new shiny thing is better sometimes it is but that's just not always the case. It's usually, like you said, uh, a lot of marketing um, with a 0.001% change in something they had the year before with a pile of marketing money into it. Um, as, I, as much as I hate to say that, but it's that's with everything, and it's very true. Um, and it makes you go broke, and that's not good. No, I bought a bow one time. I don't know if I told this story last time. I'll make it super short, but I bought a bow. doesn't matter what bow. And uh, it shot pretty good. I, mean, I had no problems with it, as good as I could shoot anyways. And someone said, did you, you ever shoot that thing through paper? I went, no, I don't paper to. You know, well, you should, just, just to make yourself feel better. I don't feel bad. But like an idiot, I took the bait. Paper tune, knock high. I'm like, what in the world? About $800 later, two or three sets of strings, 
every air arrest I could find. Oh, I had a lot of folks help me. What I come to figure out was it's his shot, a little knock high. You got to shoot a, uh, an asymmetrical knock to fix it. And I spent a lot of money going down a rabbit hole. I had no need to go down. I think I gave, I think I gave that bow away and I just, I go, man, this is what works. This is, this is it for me. I'm done. Same thing with my broadheads. I did a broadhead thing one time. I think I spent like $500. I, I don't get things. I probably could, but uh, I, I spent like $500 at Lancaster, you know, because we're set up as a dealer. So we buy stuff from there from time to time. And, uh, you know, I bought like $500 in broadheads. I had some, uh, some, arrow, some broadheads that I shot for a long time that I put them on a grain scale because I had one. I'm like, man, these are like 10, 9, 12 grains off. Shot and made it shoot good through my setup. I said, "Well, I got to find one that flies like a field point." <laughs> oh God! What I figured out was I didn't find a whole lot that flew in the exact same hole that a field point did. That's for sure. Another wasteful test. I just did a, uh, you know, and, and again, this is why some people really like me, and other companies might really hate me. Is I, I, it's funny you just brought this up. When you see a package that says flies like a field point, there should be fine print underneath that's not very fine that says if your bow is perfectly tuned. And it still probably won't. And so I feel horrible for guys. (laughs) They screw them on and then they shoot and they're like, man, it's hitting, you know, whatever. Pick a spot, a foot low left. And I'm like, well, generally that means you're tearing knock high right coming out of your bow. And then that's just the course that that giant kite on the front of your arrow now is taking your arrow you know and i i was like uh what made you think you were going to hit in the same spot and it's what says on the package flies like a field tip and i'm like well yeah don't don't believe that stuff that's not true at all and you can take i mean some broadheads obviously are going to be way more consistent you could go and take 30 different broadheads and from the highest end to the lowest end and fire them all out of an untuned bow None of them are going to hit like field tips. It just doesn't matter. Um, and I, I mean, I, I would imagine you probably found the same exact thing with all your screwing around. Yeah, I didn't. I found some that flew, you know, I found actually one or two out of a lot that flew really, 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 really well. And the rest of them out of my arrow setup didn't. But I know guys that shoot some of the broadheads that I tested and they fly good out of their their out of their bow setup. So I think it has a lot to do with dynamic spine, bow, speed. I mean it's got it's got all those things put into it. Yeah. And uh, man, I shoot a single bevel two blade broadhead out of my compound bow at three hundred and twenty five feet per second, which people go, Ah, oh, you you could never get one to fly that good. Mine do. And it flies good out of Revelation. It flies good off of an X Impact. It flies good off of the Spartans that I shoot almost always. It, it just flies really good out of my bow. And that's what I use. Yeah, and I have had bows that once they are tuned very, very well, I can get multiple different broadheads to hit in the same spot. The the problem with most guys, and, and I get it, they don't know how to tune their bows. Not everybody has the time or whatever to learn. And so, you know, they shoot it all year and, you know, the cams are out of sync and, you know, multiple other, you know, contact issues on the on the arrow rest, whatever. You know, you're just not going to get the performance out of, of a broadhead. You got to put some labor into it. But last, like last night, I was flinging arrows off my porch Um uh, just I'm getting ready to do this broadhead arrow, a bunch of different, you know, kind of reviews or whatever. And, you know, I can get with my stick bow, I think I shot 12 different broadheads last night off the porch at 37 yards and in, 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 a, in a paper plate, which is about as good as I'm going to get in a snowstorm anyway. Um, but if people knew the amount of time I spent tuning that bow, well, man, I better be able to have all of those heads hit in a paper plate because, you know, I might as well have, you know, been working on the Nobel Peace Prize for the amount of time I spend on tuning. If I just threw a string on my bow and I didn't really practice form or anything else, man, those arrows would be all over a stop sign or bigger. And that's just the nature of the nature of the beast. Um, But yeah, anyway, enough about that. The other thing I kind of wanted to cover, not to make this whole podcast a total Black Eagle sales pitch, but I was... um, curious the stabilizers we just ordered some for my um for my wife i have not screwed around with your stabilizers much what uh what are you guys offering in those 
Holy cow. Yeah, we've got eight, nine. I think we took them over to the Netherlands with us. I think we have 11 or 12 stabilizer options. Our most popular is probably our bars with smack in it. It's a, a product that comes from France that we have exclusivity on that does an awesome job at vibration dampening. It's incredible. For those that seen the, the smack ball display that like Braden Guillotine posted and a few others, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, what it does. So I think, uh, for your wife, we got the, uh, 625. I think we sent her a 625, six inch or eight inch. I can't remember. But yeah. The, uh, we have, we have combination of front bar, back bars. We've got a new one coming out this year. It's going to be called our Control Freak 500. It's a half inch bar, um, with a really good price point. But this one we put smack in. Usually we reserve smack down for, for our smack bars or smack for our smack down bars. Uh, but we decided to put a smack in these just to offer the consumer a phenomenal half inch, uh, outside diameter stabilizer, um, for the wind, et cetera. Uh, but at a really good price point. So I, I think those are going to be a big hit. We should get those in soon. Uh, we already got a lot of back orders from dealers who know that we have them coming. Uh, so yeah, the stabilizer business is, it's been great. We, we started that last year and, uh, it's been phenomenal. Okay. We got, I think all but one of the, of the top five or six, uh, men on the USA team shooting them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been incredible. It's really been neat. And then that once bring the, uh, the quiver uh, into that, it's going to be in that conquest lineup. We're also going to sell it on black Eagle arrows too. This it's just too good not to. Um, yeah, it's, Pretty awesome on the quiver side, on the uh, stabilizer side. You'll like them. They're really good at stopping vibration. That's what I'm looking forward to, to getting them in for Amy to try out. Just, you know, I'm always, even though I, you know, shoot the stick, I'm, I'm always interested in how much technology's changed. And, you know, back in the day from what I used in the late 90s, 2000 timeframe for hunting and tournaments till now, some stuff's changed greatly and some, some hasn't, you know, some, some companies reinvent the wheel and other companies kind of just keep you know, doing the same thing. And when you started explaining these, I was like, huh, this will be interesting. Cause I know, you know, it's not too difficult to tell if a stabilizer is doing its job. Um, throw on, throw on the one you had and throw on a new one. The human ear can heal it here a lot. The, the hand, right? Your, the, the shooter is going to feel a lot. Um, and I, that's another thing I don't think people realize is, um, there's certain things on a, you know, there are certain things that you can put on a bow and do to a bow that do make drastic differences and a stabilizer. And some people choose not to shoot when they don't want to carry it around. I get it. But um, I don't know how many world championships I've ever seen or world champions uh, not have a stabilizer on their bow, generally 30 inches long. They there is a benefit to them. If you're not shooting past 20 yards, yeah, probably going to be a little noisier bow, not a whole lot of difference, a little more hand shock. But a stabilizer was is there and it's not for looks they they make a huge difference and you know got to the point for me on my hunting bow man i had kickers off that thing i had i i basically had offset bracket with a kickback bar and you know somebody 20 years ago look at it like what the hell you doing i'm like ah it's it's more accurate off especially on when my feet aren't on level ground it pops up level quicker and it's a benefit it's worth carrying it um you know I, i don't think people a lot of people realize that sometimes well, back bars have become really, really popular, uh, whether it be a rear mount back bar or an offset bracket where it mounts to the, to the front of the bow and you use quick disconnects and give her a half turn and both bars pop off. But if you think about just the balance and, you know, fighting that bubble, when you do have a quiver on your bow or sight and everybody's got a sight on their bow, you just load up naturally. If you're right handed, you just load up more weight on the right hand side of the bow than obviously than what's on the left. And you need something to offset that. If not, you're probably repurposing your grip if you're even looking at your bubble to try to get that 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 bow to sit level because inherently it's got more weight on the right. It should canter one way or the other, and that's really the beauty of the back bar. And then to create that inertia to slow that bubble down. You know, people talk all the time about oh my my pin just sits there, full puppy. Doesn't just sit there. It's got movement to it that you're okay with, whether it be left or right or a small circle, but it just it just doesn't sit there. If it just sat there, then everybody would shoot, you know, perfect, uh, you know, perfect scores every time. There'd be 330 X's for everyone. It just doesn't sit there. It moves. 
and you're comfortable with the movement and you're just trying to slow down that movement. Yep. Yep. And that's, you know, I, I it was, it was kind of, I can't remember if it was Frank or someone else. I don't, we were shooting at 80 or a hundred yards and, um, somebody, I was talking about movement and somebody had said, your, your, your pin doesn't stay in the target at that distance. And I'm like, hell no, it's figuring all over the place. I'm like, I'm just concentrating on the, you know, in the middle and I let that pin float and generally it's going to hit close to the middle, but there's going to be movement. And like I said, some bows, some systems, some stabilizers, there's going to be way more movement than others. I think people would be surprised as how much they can limit that movement by basically screwing around with your bow and your, your stabilizer and offset system. It will make a huge difference. Sometimes you can make it worse if you don't know what you're doing. You do have to kind of figure out what weights, what angle, you know, the distance off your bow, how much of a, you know, your, your front bar and back bar you want out, but it does help. And again, um, well, uh, Lutz, what did he have on his bow when he won last year? He shoots a 625, 30-inch. I don't know what Jimmy shoots for weight. I'm going to say it's in the 8 and 16. If you look at like, you know, like a Mike Schlosser or a Braden Gillington, I think Braden shoots 22 and 28 on the back. And I think Mikey shoots 33 ounces out front on a 30-inch bar. There you go. Pounds. So he, he's looking like a stormtrooper coming out there with a mass amount. 28 I think she's 28 in the back and 33 in the front or something crazy yeah but man it's just but you watch the end of that stabilizer when that man's at full draw all those guys are are super good but that thing just man it looks like it's not moving obviously that pin's not sitting there they would all shoot 330x's but it's uh it's pretty incredible yeah I think you could shoot that much weight and that's what he feels comfortable with one of the best shooting bows I ever had, uh, 36 inch stabilizer. Um, I can't remember what I had. I think I had 24 ounces off the front, which is ridiculous at the end of a 34, six inch long stabilizer it was custom built. Uh, the back bar coming off literally looked like I had, um, you know, 75 pancakes stacked on top of each other quarters. And it just, now, would I want to shoot a FIDA or field tournament with that? No, pr- probably not. But a 3D, I'm only shooting one arrow, it just locked on the 12. I mean, it just locked in there. Now, I probably, my arm probably grew six inches in circumference from carrying that thing around my left one. But, you know, there's some, some, I mean, I, I look at like the guys you were just mentioning and you look at their bow setups. That doesn't mean it's going to be exact from one person to another, but you should screw around with it and find out what's best for you. And it's just a few weights and a few, you know, little tweaks and little torques. There's a significant difference when you do that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And everyone's different. I mean, there's no two that are same. And yeah, some, some shoot a 30 inch bar with eight ounces and this in the back. And I mean, there, there are some things, but everybody, I mean, you're just trying to match a feel, trying to match an emotion, trying to slow that bow down, that movement down a little bit, and then take some of the vibration out so you're not getting tennis elbow shooting your bow. Yep. And uh, and so, yeah, they're all different. But, yeah, it's, it's amazing to watch the guys walking around these tournaments and how much weight some of them actually shoot. And then there's guys that shoot four ounces that hold that bow just as steady as a rock. I mean, it's – but everyone, to your point earlier, everyone's different. I couldn't shoot Mike's bow very long. I mean, he probably weighs 11 and a half, 12 pounds. I don't know how heavy his bow is. It's got to be north of, he's got almost five pounds of weight. Plus he had, plus he runs four or eight ounces on the riser. Yeah. That, yeah, that's, it's, that's crazy. <laughs> well, and, and, and it's funny cause I had my, um, uh, uh, my wife watching on uh, YouTube, um, shoot down rounds right just so she kind of got the idea and and she she's pretty she's italian she's pretty funny um she immediately had mentioned there wasn't exactly a lot of um pinnacles of fitness in archery um when i mean you know you're uh and and not not to say everyone's overweight by any means but she one of the first things she looked at she's like how can those little guys hold that bow up right keep in mind for who's listening she's as green as grass right so she knows a 10 inch 8 inch hunting stabilizer and that's about all she knows so then she sees gillingham shit hanging everywhere off that bow and she's like 
why does he have all that stuff? And I don't know if you've seen some of Tim's setups, but um, oh yeah, they look like I mean, literally like a stormtrooper, you know. And then um, you know, I brought up Danny McCarthy because you know I, I shoot Black Eagles. He's a friend of yours, and you know she she was looking. She was like, I don't see their bow moving moving, and I'm like, well, those guys are the best in the world. They're probably not moving a whole lot, honey. I mean, like when she started watching it, she was immediately enamored at the accuracy and that's when a lot of these conversations came up with how they do it what they do the tuning that goes into it because you know in the case of like with with danny um um or you know or some of the other shooters that's unknown yardage and they're still i mean they're still making some amazing shots at you know a ring the size of a quarter or maybe a little bigger out to 50 yards and so just hitting a dot is difficult enough at that distance plus judging the yardage so it is she was very um i don't say enamored whatever i mean it was to her she just could not believe it it would have been like literally um her flying in a spaceship the first time she just didn't think it was possible because since she's known me i've been shooting a recurve it's not exactly like i'm you know throwing down you know quarter size groups at 50 yards anymore I, I mean i'm happy to hit a plate at 40 so she she hasn't really got to see that on my end yeah no those guys are incredible the guys that shoot unknown uh unknown yardage i mean yeah they gotta make the shot they got to fight the wind. I mean, they got to do all those things and they got to judge that yardage. And they are absolutely incredible at doing so. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's remarkable to think about because I look at it and I go, it just looks far. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Is it really it's far? Kind of far? far. Or? Yeah, it's, it's just far. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's 40 or 51 or 52. And those guys come back and like, yeah. I shot that one for 49 and a half. Like, what? A half? Like, you're down to 18 inches? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was thinking somewhere between 40 and far. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and, and, and guys ask me about judging because I, I, you know, I started, I didn't have a rangefinder, so I learned to judge. You don't, you don't learn as much now about judging as you did, you know, years ago. And, you know, I've said, look, if you don't know how far it is, but it looks like over 40, just put your 40 in the between the eight and the 10 ring hope for the best like you don't you know because they'll hang around with guys that do that like ah it's it's maybe 44 44 and a half maybe 45 and i'm like look if you're just within five yards hold your plan applicable to not miss the target like you know so well, I, I don't know it could be it could be you know whatever pick a distance 35 well hold your 40 on the heart and hope for the best you got about 14 inches of body height there you'll probably hit it and and again a lot of guys go through they never get any closer than five to seven yards that's why i mean that's why there's range finders but those guys it's depressing i mean they are very rarely ever off uh it's like they got a range finder in their eyeball they're incredible i mean they're absolutely incredible to stand out there in that shoot down that wide open space people behind you and you're looking i mean the women the senior i mean all those guys it's just they're looking they're looking it's like ah I shot it for 37 and a half. What? Where did the half come in? It, like, what point did you draw a line and pick up the other 18 inches? <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, no just, I'm just seeing far. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, no yeah, they're, they're amazing. No, it and is. Then, then, you know, you got the guys that shoot the known yardage. I mean, that's even that much more to where they, they know the distance now. I think the pressure for them is now they know that they can't miss. And so that's a different kind of pressure because now – you're not worried about, man, I might be off by a yard or two. Now it's like, man, I know the distance now. I got I to gotta shoot this thing. And so that's a whole other pressure once you know the distance. People come off the range like, man, I, I shot better on my unknown day than I did my known day. That's just maybe because of the pressure of knowing the distance. Yeah, could could be, and and I've been out of it so long or whatever. You know what I mean? Like when they came, when they had the known pro, I was like, huh. When did that kick off? Because I'm sure there was probably a lot of guys that couldn't judge as well that were super happy, um, you know, to have the known. And then there was guys like I'm sure that were, um, you know, that were using judging to their advantage, which I, I certainly do. Um, you know, that it, it kind of separates the men from the boys. So, yeah, it's, it's good to see the archery and, and that going on as far as the class is kind of expanding, because I can't imagine that hurt anything having that class. Yeah, no, for sure. It just it, it just moved people like in the in the known pro class over from the from the open fifty, I think it was, into the known pro, and it, it just it just brings in more competition. I mean, there's guys that just don't. There's not judging. 
And if you don't, if you don't take the time to judge in a lot of cases more than you shoot when it comes time to re get really good at judging, then it's just going to be a struggle. I mean, some people are naturally good at it. I'm not. Um, but you know, they, I think they all take a, a pretty good amount of time, uh, to just judge targets. I mean, just walk through the woods for hours or, or, or just judge a distance, judge a distance. I mean, it's like anything. I mean, you, you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. Yep. I just used to pack a rangefinder around with me all the time in, in practice. So, you know, they, they, yeah, well, I just literally like just ranged everything around me trying to get as good as I could at judging. And now even with a stick bow, I always have the rangefinder with me. Um, technology's there, you know, if they took them away, they made them illegal. Well, hey, figure it out. I do it without it. But if I can use it and I need it, I'm going to pull that bad boy out. Um, I'm sure the guys that judge really good, every one of them go into the woods with a rangefinder. I don't know that, but I'm going to bet a lot. Of I was things. just going to say, I do know that, and I don't know one person that doesn't. <laughs> so uh, I can't imagine, but, you know, I just, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, man, we're we're hitting an hour here, and I actually got to do a bunch of real live work before I head out hunting again. But, um, man, I I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the friendship. Like I said, for 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 me being who I am and you being who you are, uh, you have always treated me very kindly, and I I certainly appreciate that, man. You're you're a hell of a guy. Well, yeah, hey, look, we're we're both centered, man. Don't, don't <laughs> ever don't ever think that one's holier than the other, right? None of us are righteous. <laughs> Gotcha. And uh, it's all good. And I appreciate you and appreciate your friendship and all the listeners that you have and people that, uh, that shoot our products. I mean, without them, we wouldn't be here. And, you know, my wife and I and my kids, two of my four work here. And, and my daughter, who's at Baylor, she <laughs> she kind of works here, too. I'm working to put her through Baylor, so she's an extension of it. We appreciate everyone's support. There's just a lot of good products out there, man. It's, it's competitive. There's a lot of great, great products out there. So we appreciate the people that choose us. Yeah, there is. So, yeah, definitely. If anybody has any uh, questions, um, you know, feel free. You can message me uh, as far as arrow setups or builds. Um, you got, you know, Instagram, whatever you want to do. Uh, Randy, I highly suggest you do not give out your info. But, yeah, if anybody has any questions, fire away, and I'll help you to my best ability. Um, and then, yeah, if you're curious and you want the best hunting arrow uh, built, uh, check out that revelation. It is expensive, but I can promise you, you won't be disappointed. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you so much, brother. All right, man. Take it easy. Okay. Take care. God bless. Bye.